And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Peter Burfind, and he is serving as a pastor in southern Michigan. Uh, Peter, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Thanks for having me on again, Dan. Great to be with you. The last time we talked, we covered a little bit about your book, Gnostic America, and I'm still interested in that. Oh, yeah. But you have another book out, A Year Crowned with Goodness, Meditations on the Historic Gospels, Pentecost through the Last Sunday of the Church Year. And uh, you've got a part one and then a part two, which is this one. So, um, Peter, maybe you can get us started. What about those who um, have become used to a more informal worship? Um, They see something like this, and they might be uh, taken back a little bit and say, oh, man, that's just quashing the work of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard those uh, objections? Yeah. um, Well, that's that's an in-depth question, but it's a... It gets into the work of what the Holy Spirit is, yeah. And there, there's there's arisen this idea that the Holy Spirit is synonymous with informality, casualness, right? Um, lack lack of order, and if this especially emerged in my study of Gnosticism, that the Holy Spirit is the opposite of that. Mm. The Holy Spirit from the beginning has been separating things aside, and, and he's an orderer. He puts things in order. He, he applies formal, formal constructs to things and, and de- defines his creation in, in such a way. He delineates the creation. He separates up from down. He separates light from darkness. He separates male from female. And one of the arguments in my book, Nostalgic America, is that concurrent with this rise of new ageism and this rise of informality, we, we, we see a, a dual effect of that in society and in the church. In other words, the breakdown of formality in the church has gone concurrent with the breakdown, say, in marriage and the breakdown in gender distinctions. And so for me, I, you know, the Missouri Synod is a very liturgical church. I really saw a lot of support for this idea that that the Lord is setting up these these formal constructs by which we we know Him. I mean, Jesus Himself is the ultimate one, right? Yes. Jesus came as the form of a bond servant, and we we can only know God through the person of Jesus Christ. So, um, so that's sort of the basis for that. So I'm I'm a proponent of a lectionary because it 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 what I preach on Sunday morning does not come from whatever ideas I think the Holy Spirit is weighing on my heart or something, but what, what I preach on Sunday morning is something that has emerged from the devo- devotional life of the Church going back, you know, hundreds of years. So I'm a, I'm a proponent of formal worship and lectionaries and, and all this kind of thing. I think the lectionary, um, having that as a guide, uh, sort of protects the whole Church from a pastor, maybe without even realizing it, going down a rabbit trail of whatever ticked him off that week or whatever passion he has right. that maybe is a little bit unbalanced, even though it could be true. Um, but I think the lectionary gives a certain balance to the worship service from 
I want to say for this for myself, from smarter minds than me, uh, people that's, that's <laughs> yeah. live, lived the gospel for for hundreds of years and, and have penned mm-hmm. down some of the themes that the church has always followed. So um, I'm... I think uh, I'm very appreciative of what you have to say here. Um, this particular yeah. book, A Year Crowned with Goodness, that's a beautiful title. Um, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about it? So when I was doing all the research for my book, Gnostic America, that, it, it was a project that began in the mid-90s and finally you know, it took almost literally 20 years, but it definitely spent more time towards the end of that. But studying the resources um, for Gnosticism are very taxing spiritually and one of the one of the releases i had or one of the comforts i had was always returning back to the to the lectionary to, mm. you know, to the to the gospel for that week i'm also a pastor so um you know getting back to the gospel for that week was like a like a reprieve from the stuff i was getting <laughs> into and especially just orthodox theology the, the the theology of christ's incarnation as opposed to the Gnostic idea that God is kind of in all of us, and God is not bound by Christ's flesh and blood, but floating all over, and we all have access to him. Um, so, so just, you know, being able to focus on God's Word was, was like a break from always focusing on the dark side of, yes. of, of theology. Well, it, it specifically emerged, um, I'm also an Army chaplain, and uh, in the year 2019, I was uh, deployed over to Romania, mm. and I set as a task that I was going to, every day I was going to write a devotion based on the on the gospel from the historic lectionary for the previous week, and and it was a great little project. Every day I was writing, you know, whatever, a thousand words on, on the gospel, and then by mm. the time it was all done, I'm looking at everything I wrote, and I go, my goodness, I got three books here. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the specific, the, the specific thing that emerged and this is this is the beauty of this this is just one of the, my delights i mean i'm totally sold on the and especially the historic lectionary as opposed to the new three year lectionary so that the historic lectionary goes back fifteen hundred years and emerged from the devotional life of the church and has all those qualities we just talked about. but the thing that really emerged that that struck me is it led to the title of the book a year crowned in goodness and it gets to the entire posture that a Christian has as he looks at the world, mm. and and I was I was discovering this as I as I studied Gnosticism. The Gnostic, and and it, I would say this is true for just all most unbelievers, and it also leads to paganism. But the, most people, when they wake up in the morning, they look at the world, they see a broken place, they see a world that is full of evil, and some people get real cynical and say, oh, the world stinks. I'm going to tattoo myself up and wear black and just yeah. maybe, you know, do myself in. Other people look at it and they say, well, we're going to make the world a better place. We got to save the world. So we're going to, you know, if humanity joins hands, we can make the world a better place. And that's the Babel project. So both of these two viewpoints start from a premise that the world is evil, bad and wrong and, and broken. The Christian wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? If Jesus Christ sits at God's right hand, there is not a single nook or cranny in the entire creation that he does not oversee with his authority and power. Oh, amen. Therefore, because that's the case, there's, and because we believe Jesus is ultimately a good God and Savior, we, there's nothing that we, 
see in our world as we're walking around, as we're looking at things, as we confront the circumstances, there is nothing that is not ultimately under his control and, and filled with his grace and presence. Even the dark spot, even the dark areas, or mm-hmm. even the, the bad things that happen, he is working for good. And it's because of that that, you know, the, the Christian breaks out in Eucharist, I like to say, or breaks mm-hmm. out in Thanksgiving through, through Holy Communion. And, and Communion is, a, is kind of a, a uh, crowning, go with my title, the crowning moment of the week when we give thanks that, oh my goodness, we just had seven days, 24 hours of a Lord who is good, who fills all the creation, who controls everything for, for my good. And now we can say with the psalmist, unlike Job, by the way, whose eyes saw nothing but evil, but now we can say with the psalmist, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. And so that, that led to the title. Yeah, It's beautiful. I, I love this thought. Um, it's very positive, and it's just simply scriptural that, that God is in control right. of all things, and he is a good God and Savior. Um, in the little write-up on Amazon, uh, today we're talking with uh, Peter Burfind. Am I saying that last name correctly? Yeah, okay. actually very good. Most he, people get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he pastors actually two works in southern Michigan, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. He's in the Missouri Synod, and um, in the little write-up on Amazon, it it says, um, early on during the ordinary time following Trinity Sunday, Gospels from Luke dominate, and Luke teaches us about God's abundance. And if there's ever a message we need today, it's it's this, (laughs) that... You know, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and he is an abundant God for his people. Can you say yeah. more? Oh, I mean, first off, just that, that idea. I, that's one thing I love about the historic lectionary is it's like, it's like a tour de force every year you kind of go. And, <laughs> I mean, think how on Christmas you look forward to the Luke 2 reading, and everybody, oh, we're going to do the Luke 2 reading tonight. Well, now imagine every day of the year being like that. It's sort of like, it's really fun. It um, is. And so, like, early in summer, and it just fits sort of the, the theme of June and life and weddings. <laughs> yeah. It kind of goes hand in hand with that. But there's this theme of just, you know, the, how does Jesus put it, your, your bosom pressed down, flowing over, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's our Lord's bosom that, that manifested in Christ himself and his blood pouring out on the cross for, for all the world. Um, and... Luke especially, Luke has the first five Sundays after the, the Feast of Trinity um, are all from the Gospel of Luke, and Luke is a, Luke is a very devotional gospel, of course, and, and he's got these themes of, kind, kind of a big theme in Luke is how is the table administered? Mm. And the first gospel in, in Trinity season that, that kind of launches the whole, you know, six months of the Trinity season is uh, Lazarus and the Rich Man. And the rich man shows us how not to administer the table. But then the next week after that shows us the, the, the great banquet where the, the host invites the, the lame, the maimed, the blind, and the poor. And that, that's an abundant table. That's how God, that's how God administers his table. Mm. You know, abundant forgiveness, abundant grace. Um, the mammon God, mammon represents a you know, the view of the world that it's, that it's, the law of scarcity, that it's limited, that there's not enough to go around, that we need to, 
we need to you know put put limits on how many children you can have and oh, yeah. you know all this growth isn't a good thing and god's god's world the anti-mammon world says no take a little seed from an apple tree and two after two generations you're gonna have an entire forest of apples <laughs> enough to feed the world you know yeah. and and that's our god yeah it's a beautiful 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 theme yeah. Uh, today we're talking with Peter M. Burfind, and tell us a little bit about the churches that you pastor. Well, there one church is in uh, Union City, Michigan, and uh, small. Ch- they're both small churches, hence it's dual parish. Um, and uh, Union City is a kind of a, a a farm community, and a lot of tomato farms. They they supply a big bulk of the uh, red gold tomatoes. Um, and you know, farming and gardening is a huge thing, and and uh, I felt very safe here last year when when yeah. all the craziness was going on in the world. Oh, I can and, imagine. And my churches, we never we never shut down. We never did the mask mandate. We never did any of that. Um, Neat. And we were one of the few churches that stayed open during the whole thing, and I think we've been blessed because of that. That's um, right. Did your people stay healthy? Yeah, absolutely. We had, we had three or four people that got COVID, and you know they were down for a week or so. One of them did have to go to the hospital, but you know she's back and, and doing fine. We've we've had friends of members who have passed away, mm. and I did one, I did one funeral of someone who who passed away. But yes. yeah, we were not hit by it. I've uh, I, well, continue on. Tell us more about your your churches. So then the other one. It's called Agnes Day, and it's uh, that that's one up in Marshall, and and that's a, a smaller church, and and it's a uh, it, it's an interesting church. It's basically begun by by two very large families, and their their whole talk about abundance. <laughs> their whole philosophy is we're we're going to birth our church into existence. <laughs> oh, that's cool! You know, every generation. And every generation has twelve kids. You know, after three or four generations, you got yourself a pretty big church. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the dying needs for our um, culture today is for Christians to multiply, and uh, absolutely not only through the Great Commission, but through actual birth of of children, many covenant children coming into this world, and ha- seeing that baton of faith passed on to that next generation is that's the norm is it not for the kingdom absolutely <laughs> yeah. i mean it's it's like i tell everybody it was god's first command to, to humanity was be fruitful and multiply yes and, and it just gets to that it gets to that whole theme of 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 uh abundance and the seed and i always tell people this too. i remember when i was a kid i was born in 1970 and the big fear remember back then was you know, overpopulation, and there's not going to oh, be yeah. enough food. Well, at that time, the world was eh, about three and a half billion. It has doubled in size, and famine has gone down. Starvation has gone down. Sure. There's more food than we know what to do with nowadays. I mean, starvation isn't real. I mean, there's certain places in the world, but it's not as big an issue as it was back then. Well, what happened? God, through man's reason that he's given them, has been able to keep up with resources. Sure. So that. You know that's the kind of abundance we 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 can have the children and God will provide for them and it's it, it is something that a lot of people are you know oh we can only have two kids because we can't afford more than that and no no God provides <laughs> it's um 
it's rare to hear this today, and yet it's so needed that, that God loves children. I think about the words of Jesus where he says, Suffer or permit or allow the little children to come unto me, for of such yeah. is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he just loved yeah. children, and he folded them into the uh, church, if you will, community, and we need to do the same. Absolutely. Children have that pure reception of the gift that, that is without guile, that is innocent. You know, this my son, I can tell him, whatever I tell him about the Word of God, he just, amen, and he just has a joy <laughs> to hear it. And there's no, you know, they hit teen years, and then they get all angsty and <laughs> start yes. self-doubt. Self doubt and, and the Lord wants us to receive as children do. That's right. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the abundance of God and I think the write-up on Amazon for your book, A Year Crowned with Goodness, talks about the world bursting with abundance. What about that person out there who has gotten discouraged? Or they've, they've maybe watched too many news programs and they've been negative, <laughs> news, pro, you know, negative news programs. Um, any word for that person today? Yeah, this is another one that would take a good two, three hours, because this is another theme I really address in my books, and that has to do with, uh, how, do I, how do I begin this? Um, the heart is an idol-making machine. Yes. The heart is an idol-making machine. And what the heart does is it projects its own desires out. And the, these desires that come from the heart are not, for God. It goes back to Eve desiring something beyond the apple. God had created the entire world. He created it all good. Everything that you walk through is good. Every, everything you touch, everything you see, everything is good. Where does the evil then come from? Well, for Eve, it came from her wanting to reach in, reach in beyond the apple, that one yes. area of the creation that was not good, which is nothing. <laughs> Yes. So she's she's projecting her own desires into the realm of nothingness. Well, if you think about it, that's every sin. And I think a lot of people are, you know, they wake up in the morning, they, they go on their Facebook, and they see all these, all these desire activators. Mm -hmm. it, it might be seeing all their friends and oh, they got they got this, they got that. They they're traveling here, they're traveling there, and their mind begins to create this world mm. of, oh, all my friends are having a blast, and I'm not, so my life is awful. Well, just put the Facebook down and walk outside and look at the beautiful <laughs> creation you're in and the beautiful children you have, and it might be a different story. Or then teens, t girls, especially like 13, 14, are going online and they're seeing all these girls who are confused and troubled, and, and they're finding the answer and becoming boys, <laughs> yes. what they think is a boy. <laughs> And so then that, that just consumes them like, like a demonic possession. And then, then they're, they're harming themselves, they're, they're disfiguring themselves and all this kind of thing. And then people do the same thing with the news. I mean, you know, a lot of people, they, they wake up in the morning and they start looking at the news feed. And suddenly they're seeing all these little fears of, of COVID, of you know, whatever, terrorism or black lives, you know, all these fears that are out there. And suddenly yes. that becomes their world as is just evils and demons lurking around every rock. <laughs> and then they begin to forget that if they just walk outside, they will see nothing but the goodness of the Lord. So to me, there's this 
there's a demonic element going on when people disconnect themselves with the real world and live in what is essentially a, a, a phantasm world, a mm. world of fantasy. But what it really is, it's Satan kind of drawing out of our hearts our desires that we project out, and really we, we make into an idol. So really what we have yes. is a massive idolatry thing going on, and you know, the pastors and prophets of all ages have to be called to tear down the idols, right? Yeah, and you, you said something really important. I hope our listeners caught that. You said everything is good. Everything is good um, because we have a good God, and Jesus um, died for people's sins, and he was resurrected, and he was enthroned, and he rules and reigns. And so that um, right. that's transformative right there. Absolutely. So everything really is good. I hope that sinks into our souls today. If if nothing else, that that sinks in, that, that God is in charge, everything is good, and don't let our minds be played with by uh, negative news media that many times is uh, marching in lockstep with uh, the enemy of our souls. Right. I like to point people to this passage in the book of Revelation. It's in Revelation 17. And it's the dramatic moment in cosmic political history or whatever, where all the kings of the world give their power over to the Antichrist. And, you know, in a, on our side, on the you know, we'd look at that as Christians and say, oh, that's an awful thing that needs to be prevented. This is dangerous. You look at Revelation, and what does it say? It says, God put it into their hearts to do so this. So true. There you go. God put it in there. He's, he's the good God. Now, looking at the world and seeing nothing but the goodness of the Lord doesn't mean we have this kind of Pollyannish and, oh, my son just died. Oh, big deal. No, this, of course not. Great, you know. But, it, but we, it's, it's a faith thing. You know, we, we look at it through the lens of faith. And by that, we can, we can even we can rejoice in the tragedies, ultimately. We can say, you know, this is an awful thing, and we do grieve, but not as those that have no hope. We have faith, mm. we understand that we have a God who's working all things for the good. You know, you mentioned getting up in the morning and tuning into the news. One of the big temptations for me personally is to go to that uh, whatever news site I like to go to first, rather than reading my Bible first. And if I can stop myself and grab the Bible, and and one of the things that I've found to be fruitful over the years is just simply open up to Proverbs, uh, match up the chapter in Proverbs with the day, and read that wisdom from God, and it it actually directs my whole day sometimes, because – because I get an idea and I think, oh, that's right, that's right. I was, I, I, here's a foundational truth. Let me live that out today. And so, if we can, if we can line ourselves with the will of God by reading His Word, we're going to have a lot better day. Yeah, I mean, one of the big themes that in in the later Easter Gospels is that everything that Jesus gained and, and claimed by him sitting at the right hand of God, which is the status of being God's son, of fellowship with the Father, of amidst of glory, eternal life, all good things. He says he gives to us everything that I have I will give to you, or the Holy Spirit will take of mine and give it to you. So the Holy Spirit delivers it to us. And it, very clearly he says the Holy Spirit will take of what is mine and declare it to you, hmm. which is to say 
that the Holy Spirit is working in our souls the same thing that he's been doing from the beginning, which is by the Word of God, bringing something into existence. So you going to Proverbs, especially Proverbs, talking about wisdom and, you know, the Word personified so, mm-hmm. so beautifully, um, that that is how the Holy Spirit is creating a new creation in your in your soul. Mm. And so so if you do that, you're instead of going to the news, instead of going to the ugly, you're able to walk around in your world and you are literally living in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Amen. Because by faith you have you have the eyes of that the Holy Spirit is creating. You're you're in a new creation and you're even the dark spots you're you're seeing as good because God's working it for good. Mm. And I mean I haven't attained that yet, but like Saint Paul says, I I haven't attained it, but I always, you know, forget what's behind and press on towards That's the, right. That's the upward right. call of Christ. Well, our guest today has been Peter M. Burfind, and that last name is spelled B-U-R-F-E-I-N-D. Uh, look him up on Amazon. He's got some books, and uh, the first one that we had talked about a while ago and referenced today is Gnostic America. And then these two uh, newer books, A Year Crowned with Goodness, Part 1 and Part 2. And we've talked a little bit about the liturgical year and the beauty of uh, using that uh, in our personal lives as well as in our churches. And uh, any website address that you'd like to give us before we go today? Gnostic America blog. I don't know if it's called Gnostic America blog or Gnostic America a lot of these writings are there. Um, I mean, the book is obviously edited and brings it all. And, you know, please go out and buy the book. <laughs> but you can find a lot of the writings there if you want. Um, but I, yeah, I don't. I, oh, well, here's one thing. I do. I have written on the Federalist uh, yes. news site, and a lot of the ideas on Gnosticism. Um, you know, someone's looking for kind of a introductory material on, on Gnosticism, which every Christian needs to understand Gnosticism. Um, it is. It is the theology of the Antichrist, St. John tells us. Yes. He, when, he, when St. John invented the word Antichrist, he was talking about Gnosticism. So Christians need to be familiar with, with all the various facets of it, because we are in a Gnostic moment. Mm. Um, but anyways, you can, you know, if you go Burfind, um, do a Google on Burfind and then do Federalist, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the articles will pop up. Oh, that's beautiful. Peter Burfind, Pastor Peter Burfind. I want to thank you very much for taking your precious time and sharing it with our listeners today. Well, thank you for having me again, Dan. Much appreciated. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.